today we look at our response to the words of Jesus in the best sermon ever. So I would simply ask you this question before we read the scripture. What is your foundation? Let's look at verses 24 through 27. Jesus speaking. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the wind blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. And its collapse was great! Exclamation point. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we've been able to gather today and to praise. We've been able to gather together and pray together. And now we proclaim your word. Every word of it is truth. It's your revelation to us. And so we ask that in these, in these final words of the best sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, that we might uh, take a look and be open to apply whatever you would have to us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we've arrived at this point, finally, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, and Jesus has is, is finished the best sermon ever. He's given detailed instruction to everyone. You remember that? We went all the way back to the Beatitudes and walked all the way through this, the Lord's Prayer, just all kinds of things that we have looked at. Jesus has laid down his dynamic principles, and he's applying truth now. And what he does here is interesting. It, there's a little shift here. Now he confronts his followers with two possibilities. And so he confronts us today as well because we're hearers today of his word. And here's the two possibilities I think are there. Now you can disagree if you want, but maybe you'll ponder these things. Number one, the first possibility is this. We can go all in with action. Do you know what that term means, to go all in? Okay, if you're a Denver Bronco fan like I am, someone came in today and said, don't take it out on us that the Broncos lost. I'm like, who, who knew that? It was just a preseason game, all right? But sometimes we go all in on some things, all right? Whatever your hobby might be or your profession or you're taking a course or a class, we go all in. So the first possibility is can we go all in? Now, how does that fit in context with the Sermon on the Mount? How about the, just the last few sermons that we've looked at, the last few verses we've looked at? What does that mean to go all in with action? It means we're going to go through the narrow gate. First of all, we're going to be saved. And then we're going to refute false prophets, and we're going to refute false professions or pretenses. These are the things we've looked at recently. Okay, that's the first possibility. Here's the second possibility today. Do nothing. Do nothing. Have no action. Well, I'm not doing nothing, preacher. If there's no action, if there's no application, if there's no obedience, you are doing nothing. That's the opposite of going all in with action. And as a pastor for many, many, many years, I have been saddened often by people who, for whatever reason, they would call themselves Christians, but they would refuse to take action. So, today we see 
two men and two houses. This should be a simple sermon today, should it not? Two guys, two homes. Here's the big idea. Here's what I want you to get today. You might jot it down. Is this. You must not walk out today. You must not. I'm pleading with you. You must not walk out today saying this. I just won't make a decision right now. History of the church is full of people who said, well, I need to make a decision, but I won't make it right now. So let's look at point number one, and point number one is this in your sermon notes there, comprehension and action. Now notice the first part of verse 24 and the first part of verse 26, it's the same phrase. You see how those start off? And so there's comprehension and action. But we see in 24, there's the word therefore. Well, what does that mean? We already know it means to look and see what it's there for. But what this therefore means is, I am now bringing the sermon, the message to a close. And he says, therefore, if anyone hears these words of mine and acts on them, and we see the same thing in verse 26, the first so the correct choice, of course, today is to hear. What does that word hear mean? It means comprehend. That's actually what the word is. It means to comprehend Jesus' words. So it's not just like I heard it but don't get it. No, I, I, I am understanding, I am comprehending these things that Jesus has been teaching in all these verses in these chapters. But the correct choice is not just to hear Jesus' words, but it is to act. Therefore, if anyone hears these words of mine and acts on them, that is an interesting word. That biblical word means to produce, to create, to cause, to advance, to accomplish. That's a big word, isn't it? It means all those things. And so uh, we're not just to comprehend, but there must be this kind of action and it's from the beginning. There's production, there's creation, but there's advancement and even there's accomplishment. It's, it's carrying it through. It's the idea of continually acting and acting and acting. So I would say it this way. Our hearing must result in doing. Because doing is what? Doing is the opposite of inactivity. And I don't think Jesus intended for a single follower of his to be marked by inactivity. He wants us to act. This is what it means to build on the solid foundation or upon the rock. So we're going to see two men. These, have you ever noticed when you look at this, uh, this parable, basically, Jesus throws in at the end of the sermon, have you ever seen how much these guys have in common? We just assume we go right to the, the sensible man is way over here and the wise man is way over here. But these guys have a lot in common. Do you see it? They both desire to do what? To build a house. Any of you ever built a house or built a room on the house or renovated a house or anything? If you're like me, I, I still got, I don't know how, I still got all 10 of these. It's great. Okay, there might still be a splinter in there I couldn't get out, but anyway. Yes, they wanted to build a house. And I think, now I'm reading into it a little, but, but it doesn't say that they were different. I think on the outside they both probably looked good and maybe even looked sturdy. Remember that fourth photo we showed? Before it collapsed, it probably looked pretty good. I'm, that was nice wood, maybe even treated, you know, and the screws were put in just right, okay? In fact, there seems to be no differences between the houses, at least in Scripture. But there was a big difference. And these two houses remind us that 
true faith in Jesus will last as opposed to the opposite. And notice they will last not only in the storms, the storms of life, but also ultimately in final judgment when Jesus comes back, when time is no more, when it is heaven or hell. You remember what we just talked about? Depart from me, I never knew you. There's judgment that is coming. Okay? But there's also a difference in the men. And Martin Lloyd-Jones is a, a guy who wrote about the thickest book on the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, it's like that thick. But he said it this way. These are his words. It is the difference between the true Christian and the pseudo-Christian. Ouch. Think about that for a minute. Am I a true Christian or am I a pseudo-Christian? You see, the one who hears and acts and the one who does not. That's what we're exposed to. Exposed. Uh, so when we talk about comprehension and action and action, I, I can't get away. We need to go to James chapter 1. So I want you to jot this down. James chapter 1, 22 through 25. You will know these verses if you've been in church very long. You will have heard them. But listen, let me just read it again in context, commentating on what Jesus is saying right here about, hey, you hear it and you act upon it. James 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. That's a scary thought, isn't it? But let's look and see what he's talking about there. For he looks at himself, then he goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. What kind of man or woman were we, Christian? Were we lost and need to be found? Amen. Sinners doomed to separation from God forever until Jesus came into our life and transformed our life. Yes, yeah, so he forgets what kind of man he was, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does. What does he do? Does good works. This person will be blessed in what he does. So hear me, we're not talking about doing good works to be saved, to have a relationship with Jesus. We're talking about because of the transformation that Jesus does in our life, because of the salvation that comes to our lives, then all of a sudden, oh, we want to then do good works. Okay, let's just make sure that's clear. So let's think about sermons. I know all of you analyze sermons. No? Those of you, some of you have a sheepish look on your face like, yeah, buddy, you, can, you need to ratchet it up. You need to get your game on. No, we, we do that, and, and, and I like to analyze those. And uh, I, I love to, to hear other sermons. I love to sit under the teaching of others. Our brother Drew back there, he taught at the retreat on Friday morning, and I sat there and just took a nap. No, I did not do that. I listened to him, I submitted to him, I learned from him, and he shared this great witnessing tool, but he also shared from Matthew chapter 9, and I, man, I was busy taking notes, because it was good what he was doing. You see, a good sermon or teaching or message, it marches forward. It is moving to a goal. It is going somewhere. That's why I gave you the big idea when we started. This is what I want you to think about. And as we listen to a message... We are, if it's a biblical message, we are called to act by its conclusions. So let's think about Jesus now. 
Jesus is concluding his sermon. He's preached the best sermon ever. His sermon moved to a conclusion. And what is interesting to me, these verses here, his conclusion is not another theological treatise. It's not another beatitude. It's not, let me remind you about how, how the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. It's not any of these things. His conclusion to his sermon is calling for action. Maybe at the top of our sermon notes, we need to write in capital letters, A-C-T-I-O-N. You see, the choice is now with his hearers. Having heard, they will or they will not do his will. And you remember what we just looked at? How do you know if you're saved? What did it say? Verse 21, I think. What? That those who do the will of God. And so here we are. Will you do it or will you not do it? His conclusion places upon the hear hearers the full authority of his message. He places the emphasis squarely on our hearing and doing. I love that. There's no loophole. There's no rationale that we can do. He drops it right in our lap. And I've heard that before. I actually heard that this morning. Man, step on toes, right? Or drops it right in my lap. We, we know these phrases. That's exactly what Jesus is doing here. Here you go. What are you going to do about it? And notice, when he places the emphasis squarely on our hearing and our doing, it's these words of mine, capital M. Do you see that? This is not some ism. This is not some religion. This is not some crazy formula that some came up with. These are, in fact, the words of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus. Do not listen to my well, Listen to my words for a few minutes longer, okay? Or maybe more than a few minutes, but we'll be done here pretty soon, all right? Yeah, listen to that. But ultimately, we must listen to what? The words of Jesus. These words of mine. Remember that these are Jesus' words. They're not preacher's words. They're not author's words. It's no wonder, and we'll see this next week, that the people were astonished. Why? Well, they felt the authority with which he spoke because they were his words. It was much more than a scholar's words or a scribe's words. It was not simply the authority of the scholar or the scribe. It was the authority of the one who on behalf of God, the one that God sent, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only one-of-a-kind son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have eternal life. It is his words. It's the authority of the one on behalf of God who calls people to act, you and me. To obey is another word we could use there. We are those people today. So let me ask you, point number one, don't you think about this for a minute, will we comprehend and purposefully act? We don't get off because it's 2023. Well, I wasn't sitting there on the mountainside, the hillside. I wasn't actually, Jesus wasn't actually, listen. What has God done for us? God has given us his word, right? Every word, every jot and tittle, every book, every chapter and verse. I know they weren't originally chapter and verses, but they, it helps me how they have outlined this for me. It's his full, are you hearing me? It's his full and complete a revelation to us. There is no more revelation to receive this side of heaven. Okay? If you have questions that can't be answered, you know, when you die, you can go to heaven, and those questions can be answered. 
or perhaps you won't need to have those answered anymore because you'll be in the glory and presence of the Lord. But it's given to us, so we, will we comprehend, will we purposefully act? I don't know about you, but I hear, I, I'm more of a visual learner, so sometimes when I hear, I don't quite catch it all. But it's written down, I can look at it and see those words. Will we comprehend, will we purposefully act? Point number two, we find in the second part of verse 24, and in verse 25, and it's simply entitled, The Wise Person or the sensible person. So everyone who hears these words of mine acts on them. Look what it will be. Will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. So here this guy, this, this house builder, is called sensible. Interesting word. It means having a prudent mindset. It means practically wise in relating to others. That's very interesting, isn't it? I, I would say almost common sense, not head up in the clouds, because it's, there's the idea of being prudent, there's the idea of being wise, relating to others, all those kind of things. And it's practical. So notice what this guy did. He did something. He built. You see it? So there it is. He acted. He built. And he built on what? On the rock, which is the sure foundation. Now, let me just stop for a moment because there have been religious institutions. There have been authors. There have been many people that got confused about rock. What does that word mean? So I want you to notice here, when he says on the rock, this is... Uh, not the word Petros. Okay, that's the masculine form. What does Petros mean? It means a detached stone or boulder that might be thrown or moved easily. I was in the mountains. Guess what I did on the way down the mountains? Should I say this? Are we recording this? Oh, this is going out live, isn't it? I like rocks. I needed a few more rocks. I'm not like Steve Ganeric, but he's like the rock master. But I was looking for a certain kind of rock, and there it had rolled down into the little bar ditch on the road. So guess what I did? Please don't tell the ranger, forest ranger. I picked up the rock and put it in the back of my truck. And guess where it is? It's on the side of my house now. Yeah, what am I saying? That's Petros, a rock that can be moved, okay? A rock or a stone, or even a bolter that m might be thrown, okay? But the word that's used here for rock is uh, the feminine, feminine word, and it's Petra. Okay, there's a difference. Well, there's only a couple letters difference. No, there's a big difference. What does that word mean? It means it is an immovable rock, such as a cliff. You ever come up on a cliff and it's just rock? You could think bedrock even, I guess. But this is the word that's used when he says he built his house on the rock, immovable rock like a cliff. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, we get more detail. We're going to refer to the Gospel of Luke chapter 6 a couple times. So let me read for you Luke 6, uh, 48. It's the, the same parable that Jesus is doing. It's just uh, Dr. Luke is recording it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and there's a few different words. Listen to this. He is like a man building a house. Okay, we got that. Who, here it is who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. 
When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. So what, what, what I want you to get from the Gospel of Luke is that he dug deep and it was well built, the foundation in the rock. Now that's interesting. Uh, the Sears Tower, which by the way, I discovered is not called the Sears Tower anymore. Do you know that? I guess because Sears is gone. Do you know what it's called? Anyone? Extra credit. I th Willis, I think that's right. The Willis Tower. Anyway, for a long time it was the tallest skyscraper in the world. It's been surpassed. But you can look at how far down they had to go and how massive it was and where you had to go to get to the true foundation. And you can look at that. And we also know that in ancient Palestine, sometimes they had to go fairly deep, not like the Willis Tower or the Sears Tower, but to find the rock. It's hard work. And I was reminded of that. I was in Nashville this week staying at this amazing hotel, the Grand Hyatt, like 26 stories tall. But right next to it, they are building a new, looks like a skyscraper. Guess what I observed of that construction? They're digging down. Yes, they're using concrete. Yes, they're using rebar, but they are digging down. And I think the farther down they go, the, the larger the building is. So this picture for me is clear when Luke says, man, he dug deep and it was well built. You see, there's only one foundation for every life. We can see what Jesus is saying if we observe his teaching. He's talking about himself. He's talking about life with God. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3.11. 1 Corinthians 3.11. For no one can lay any other foundation <clears throat> than what has been laid down. And just in case you're curious, here's what the scripture says. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Period. You want more? Matthew 16, verses 15 through 18. Matthew 16, verses 15 through 18. One of the more fascinating parts of Scripture for me, and, and, and here Jesus starts it out. He says, but you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? You remember that? He asked those guys, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, or the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jodah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. Once again, we have to look at what word is he talking about? Well, when he says Peter, guess what word he uses? Petros, we just looked at it. He said, Peter, you're a stone, or I've heard some guys say you're a pebble. But then Jesus says, upon this rock, Petra, bedrock, I will build my church, and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. So we see this wise guy, this sensible man, builds his house on the rock, and things go well for him. I thought we could do a few characteristics of a wise person. Here's four things for you to think about. If you're thinking right now, well, am I wise or not? Here you go. Here's four little tests. First one, a characteristic of a wise person. The wise person does not make haste. You got it? Does not make haste. What does that mean? It means they are not subject to hurry or excitement. They take time to know God and what are God's plans and purposes. Okay? So some of you, because of your personality, because of your makeup, you're going to have to really work on that if you want to be wise. 
because you are the life of the party. You are the extrovert, all right? So that's the first one. How about this one? A wise person instructs, listen, excuse me, listens to instruction like you're doing today, like we're doing today with Jesus' instruction. Here it is, Jesus' instruction. It's prepared to be taught. This person wants to do things the right way. Number three, uh, the wise person is willing to consider other opinions. Willing to consider other opinions. Well, what does that mean? That doesn't mean false prophets. We've already dealt with that. Doesn't mean false teaching. We've already dealt with that. What does it mean? It means the wise person can submit to others. Listen, that, I love sermons that other people preach, not because I'm a preacher, but because I can sit under someone else teaching because I am not at the pinnacle of teaching I'm just another guy that God has called to do this with his life so we should be willing to consider other options submit to others interested in the details and we're not impulsive we're gonna check that out and then the fourth one is thinks things through to consider those options and possibilities willing to as the scripture says dig deep to ponder but not to do that for a lifetime folks there's still that action that has to take place. And in Luke 11, 28, 11, 28, Jesus said this, Even more, those who hear the word of God and keep it are blessed. So this guy faced storms. Did you see it? I mean, they're significant. I mean, we live in New Mexico. Maybe we don't understand because it says the rain fell. I just closed my Bible at that point. But what's that? What's rain? I heard, though, I was out of town. I heard you. some of y'all had a, a real rain for once. I saw the lakes all over Albuquerque. Wow. So the, the rain falls, the rivers rose, well, maybe not here, I don't know, and the winds blew, we understand that, don't we? Let me just give you, you know, I'm not a meteorologist, but look up the word verga. That's New Mexico. It's that rain. It looks like it's raining, but it never gets to the ground, right? I always say, who's ever at my house, it's Lynn, one of our boys or whatever, I'll always say, oh, it's windy out back. It's not really going to rain. It's going to blow it all away, evaporate it all away. Okay? But here, the winds came, and it, all of that pounded the house. A little bit like what happened on Tuesday here. Okay? So, he faced storms is what I want you to get. Listen, I faced storms. I could not get to Nashville because of storms. DFW is a dirty word in my vocabulary from here on out. And I could not get back to Albuquerque. I mean, when you get to your hotel at 2.30 a.m., there's a problem. And it's called planes that can't fly in some of these storms. Okay? Hmm. But there's always storms. There will always be storms. Do you remember Matthew chapter 5 all the way back when we were looking at that? What does it say? It says it rains on the just and the unjust. And so the question today is, you are either coming out of a storm, you are in a storm, sorry guys, or there's a storm coming, all right? That's where we are. That's how the world is. Why is it that way? Why can't I just believe that guy on TV that says, oh, everything will be perfect, be like a rose garden, everything will be beautiful, because we live in a world of what? Sin. We live in a world that's cursed by sin, and we must be saved from that. Okay, that's why it's that way. Listen, Christianity, this is for free, not even in the notes. Christianity is the only system, if you will, or religion that has the answer to suffering. You study them all, none of them have the answer to suffering, but we do. And it's a three-letter word, sin. And then, of course, we have to extrapolate what that means with the gospel. 
But there it is. So the question is, will we be sensible? Will we actively obey? Well, let's move on to verse 26. And we see, again, everyone who hears these words of mine, but then it says, and doesn't act on them, will be like, look at this, a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And then what happens? The, the rains fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded that house. Sounds just like the first house, doesn't it? But look at the result, and it collapsed. And its collapse was great, exclamation point. So here we come across with the foolish person. Point number three, the foolish person. That word is an interesting word. You know what English word we get from this biblical word? Moron. Now I'm a little sensitive to that. Not because of my intellectual capabilities, but because my last name is M-O-R-I-N. And I had trouble in high school till ninth grade, and I finally had it. And so all you spiritual people just turn your hearing aids off or whatever. I, I, I pummeled the guy because I was sick of it. And you know what? I never got called moron again. But they were just calling me that. Why? Because you know how kids are, right? You're, some of y'all have names, right? However they can change that name, whew, it's a pain. But anyway, it's, it, this, this is the word for foolish here because there's different words, but this one is moron. It's the word we get from. Now, it, but here, this word that is used doesn't mean someone who is intellectually lacking. That word is raka. Do you remember in Scripture where it says raka? Fool. That's that one. That is like you are intellectually lacking. No, this word means, it's very interesting. This foolish word for foolish here means to be silly concerning heart or character issues. The important issues of life, heart issues, character issues, to be silly, if you will, or maybe flippant. It's used to describe people that are morally worthless. So it's a very strong word. And that's what Jesus uses to describe this person. But please note that both builders hear and receive instructions. Jesus is talking about people who are, can I say it this way? Who are perhaps in the church? People who might even have Christian parents? Christian friends? That might even have some sort of Christian influence on and in their life. So again, that kind of goes back to those Lord, the Lord, Lord passage that we looked at. I never knew you. So here we find the foolish person, okay? It might look like all these Christianity things going on, but perhaps it's not way, that way. So let's again go to Luke chapter 6 one more time, verse 49 this time. Luke 6, 49 to get some more information about the foolish guy. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it, but it doesn't go ahead and talk about the, the rain or the winds. Luke says this, the river crashed against it and, are you ready? Immediately it collapsed. Immediately collapsed. And the destruction of that house was great. That word immediately speaks to me. Does it speak to you? Scripture says what? A day is coming. Right? The number of days in your life will come to an end at some point. And then comes what? What does it say? Then comes what? The judgment. Right? 
So think about this in that word immediately there in Luke 6. Once the storm comes, it's already too late for the examination of the foundation. Would you agree with that? Once the storm comes, it's already too late. to. You can't go now and inspect the foundation. You're in the storm. It's too late. There's nothing that you can do about it. Do you remember the photo of the hot tub on the second floor deck? Too late. Now, that's interesting. I know a little bit about construction inspections. I like to, to remodel. And I remember the first time I built a room on the, the back of our house, a, a super nice 20 by 18 den, wood stove, all that kind of stuff, great. It turned out wonderful, okay? But I learned something. I learned that there were inspections that would come at different times. Are you familiar with that? Did this also happened when we lived on the west side and converted a, a, a room to a bedroom and all that. But here's what I learned. I learned about the foundation instruction, inspection, if you will. I dug, we, I had a guy help me, we dug the trenches. By the way, we were real men. We did it by hand. None of this machine that you guys were. Why, why do we do it? Because I'm a real man? No, because I'm cheap. And I was free, but that ditch which cost money. Plus, it would have torn up cabling and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, we got done, and then the rebar went in, right? Are you good with that? And in, Bloom, in Bloomfield, because of the frost level, you got to go a full three feet. And so I was all proud, and I'm ready to go. We are gonna, we're going to pour the concrete. In fact, I already talked to them, the truck coming in. I had guys lined up because it was in the back. And I'm cheap. I'm not going to get a pumper. We're going to wheelbarrow it in. You know? So I had about eight or ten guys ready to go. But then the inspection came on the rebar. You familiar with rebar? If you're not, ask someone. It was done well, but not correctly in all spaces. So guess what? This was on a Friday. I had to redo some of the rebar, which I was glad to do that. But it meant that Monday the work wasn't going on. Why? Because the guy had to come back and inspect the rebar. Okay? Foundation. Once the storm hits, it's too late. In my case, it wasn't too late. It was too late for the guys I had lined up to help me, but it's too late. There's no inspector that's going to come check it. We've already poured whatever it is on it, and we've already built. Okay, so what about the foolish person? We talked about the wise or sensible person. Here's four characteristics of a foolish person. We're almost done. Hang in there. This person's always in a hurry. What does that mean? There's no time to wait. They're impatient, interested in shortcuts and quick results. See, I'm not talking about just someone who wants to get something done. I'm talking about someone who might take a shortcut. There's no time, therefore, for foundations. Always in a hurry. Number two, this person does not listen to instruction. See, it's the opposite of the wise man. Here again, it's Jesus' instruction that we see. This person forgets house building rules or any other rules. There's no need to consult with anyone to build it correctly. So the foolish person will not get the permit, will not have the people come in. Oh, that's hoops I don't want to jump through. Will not have the inspections to come. The inspections are there in spite of the mood that the inspector is in. The inspections are there for what? For it to be done right and up to code, okay? No, this person doesn't want to listen. Let me just get on with it. Number three, the person considers his or her opinion to be best. No need to learn from anyone else. Don't bother with the details. Even if you showed me the code, I'm going to argue with it, even though it's there for a reason. Therefore, impulsive. And then the final one, the fourth characteristic of a foolish person, is, they, is a person that does not think things through. 
does not consider the possibilities, the eventualities, what might happen. I want you to see here, though, that just like the sensible man, the foolish man also faced storms. And I would ask, what about you today? You remember our big idea. You remember what my prayer has been for today is that you must not walk out today saying, I just won't make a decision right now. Whatever God is asking of you. Maybe he's pulling you in and saying, I need to save you. I'm ready to save you. I'm ready to forgive you, to change your life. Or, or maybe he's saying, I need you to work on this area of life. Or your foundation's not so good in this area of life. Whatever it is, remember that big idea. Point number four, it's short, and it asks a question. How can I be wise? What good is it if I read about the wise, the sensible guy, and I read about the foolish guy without figuring out how can that be? Maybe today you're saying, yes, I want to be a wise person, but how? I'm going to give you some scripture. Not my words, scripture. Proverbs 14, 16. Proverbs 14, 16 says this. A wise man is cautious and turns from evil, but a fool is easily angered and is careless. So that we can chew on that verse. That's going to help us. How do we would be a wise person? Uh, James, we've got to go to the book of James. James 1, 5 says this. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Is that clear? How many of you lack wisdom? I'm going to see who's paying attention. Everybody's hand should have gone up, okay? If you lack wisdom, he should ask God, and look what God does, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. Maybe you've heard there's no dumb question, and then you ask the question and you feel dumb because they make you feel that way, right? But truly, not with God when it comes to wisdom. Because not only does he give generously, but what else does he do? Without criticizing. And then James 3.17, James 3.17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy, and good fruits without favoritism and hypocrisy. So James 3.17, you could spend all week pondering and looking at that verse and evaluating my life based on those things. So I would say this to you. It is simple to become wise. Some of y'all are going to look at me funny now. It is simple to become wise, yet it is very difficult for this to be accomplished. See the difference? Only through the daily working of God in our life can this become a reality. You can't just decide I'm going to be a wise guy or a wise gal. It's through the working of Jesus in our life, chipping away, sharpening us day after day. I'm going to close in this way. This is a much more encouraging sermon than last week. Are you ready? A life built on Jesus never fails. You see this? A life built on Jesus never fails. Now, Romans 8, 28 is a verse people know, and sometimes the context is interesting, but list, list, as, I, as you think about what Jesus just taught here, and as you think about uh, the fact that I just said a life built on Jesus never fails, I want you to listen now again to Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Oh, but there's conditions to those who love God and to those who are called 
according to his purpose. What does that mean? Christians who love God. You see, we must not say today this, and I can see people saying it in those days. I can see people saying it in our church or any other church. If, if you've taught on the best sermon error, I could see, see people say, well, Jesus' teachings there is great and true, so I'll just go out there and try a bit harder. You did not hear me say that. I'll just go out there and try harder. Thank you, Jesus, for, for all this stuff. Because I think Jesus would respond to us in this way. No, you won't ever be able to do it that way. To go out and try harder and to try to construct that kind of character in your own strength is like trying to build a mansion on the sand. That's what Jesus is saying. You will only achieve that kind of character when you build on me, capital M. Now, we sang earlier a part of a hymn. It's a hymn that I love. Do you remember singing these words? Unless you were at a potty break at that time. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Did you get that? Scriptural, isn't it? All other ground is what? Sinking sand. Wow. You see, Christianity is Jesus Christ. Therefore, the life of blessing promised by Christianity must be constructed on him and not on anything else. And I just want to tell you this. A terrible storm is coming. Whatever your view is of end times, whatever your view is of how God begins to wrap up time and space as we know it as frail humans here, whatever it is, know that a terrible storm is coming. And it's called judgment. And I would ask you today, are you prepared? If you're not sure, go back and look at verses 21 through 23 that we looked at last week. Are you prepared? It's important to know this because the only way to be prepared is what? It's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The bad news is this. All have sinned. Okay, that's in the Bible. All have missed the mark. We're all sinners, and the wages of sin is death. That's the penalty. But the good news, not the bad news, the good news is what? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in Romans, it also says God demonstrated his love towards us, and that while we were sinners, bad news, Christ Jesus died for us. Good news. And there must be an a time in our life where we call upon the name of the Lord and he will save us. What does that mean? It means we're going our own way. There must be a time where we repent, repentance, and we turn and go to him. Not in anything that we would do, but in all what he can do. For by grace, his, are you saved through faith? He gives us the faith to turn and repent. For by grace are you saved through faith. Right? It is what? A gift of God. Jesus is a, is a gift. It's not of works so that we can brag about it. Okay? So I'd ask you today, are you prepared? The storm is coming. Unfortunately, probably, I'm pretty sure, because I live in Albuquerque, People are going to die today in Albuquerque. Some it will be homicides. Some it will be an accident. 
Some it might just be of natural causes. But people will die. It's too late then. The foundation cannot be corrected. The storm will have come. Judgment will come. What about you today? Why would you wait another day and say, I just don't quite get it, or I'm just not sure, or I'm young, i got plenty of time, or I want to accomplish this, this, and this first. Why would you do that? Because you might be one of those people today. I might be one of those people today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. In fact, take a breath, breathe in, breathe out, and thank the Lord for that breath because he gave it to you. But there's no guarantee what? That the next breath will come or the next. So consider the good news about Jesus. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would evaluate and we would make sure that you have saved us, that we have repented of our sin, that we have turned to you. I pray for folks in this room, people watching online right now that have not done that, that they won't give an excuse, they won't wait another day, but they will repent today. And Lord, help all of us to check where our foundation is. What are we relying upon? God, help us to ask the question, are we hearers and not people who take action? Help us to obey. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand, please, for a moment? We're going to have a time of response. You don't have to stand, but if you'd like to, just get alone with God for a minute. There's some of us up front. We'd love to pray with you if you have anything you want to pray about. But would you just take a moment right now and ask God what he would say into your life right now based on the words of Jesus. Just take a moment. Would you do that? If you need prayer, come on up. If you've got a question, come up. Just spend a moment with him right now. Lord, how's my foundation? Lord, are there areas where I'm foolish in my life? Or sensible? action are you requiring of me right now? Amen. Someone else? you're speaking to the Lord, can I ask you one other question? How's your week been? Ask the Lord that question. See how he responds to you. We miss opportunities to share the good news. Sometimes we're blinded by our schedule and we miss the chance to be influential and inspirational to others' lives. today I think about possibilities in this one room this one room here in Albuquerque the possibilities of what might happen with this group of people following you if we hear and we obey if we comprehend we take action what might happen in our neighborhoods what might happen in our city 
And God, I pray for that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.